Hello. Welcome to the Daily Quran for Monday, April 29th, 2019. I'm Stephen Tolton, and this weekend was quite the nerd fest. We had Endgame, we had the Battle of Winterfell, or otherwise known as the Game of Thrones episode called The Long Night. Uh, the big one they've been hyping up for weeks now. And uh, it was great. So I have a, l- a lot to say about Endgame, and I had a long discussion about that on the uh, podcast um, called the Get the Nerd Out Weekend by Christopher Perry of the local Philly punk band Famous and Fallen. Uh, it's not in the podcast uh, you know, directories quite yet, but I will track down the SoundCloud link so you can hear it, and I'll put it in the show notes. And so that's where you can hear my Endgame stuff. So tonight I want to focus on my thoughts about the Battle of Winterfell, about the, the episode Long Night, uh, because I thought it was it was really uh, quite a brilliant episode. Now, spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoilers will be coming. Okay, just so you know, I'm going to spoil this episode. So don't complain to me now, I've given you four warnings. Moving on. Uh, this is, I thought, a, as I said, a brilliant episode. Possibly one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful episode that they've ever done. A really consequential moment of television. Once you, when you really think about the scale of what they were doing, and even with the, the large amount of money spent on this, the constrained budget of a TV program, even HBO, the number of characters they were dealing with, the type of atmosphere they were trying to portray, the way that the battle itself ebbs and flows in a in a very interesting narrative arc in itself. It is just an extremely tightly constructed episode. But let me address a little bit of the controversy first. There's a lot of complaints online and some articles, some hot takes this morning about how dark the episode was. And yes, it is dark. Uh, it's dark on purpose. And that darkness uh, is part of the character of the episode. It's completely intentional and works wonderfully, but it's exacerbated by people who don't know how to set up their televisions properly or have bad LCD televisions, uh, and also by compression artifacts, especially if you're using the stream. You know, uh, it's just that's just the way it is. So it, it, I'm sure it looks, I'm sure it'll look great on Blu-ray, but yeah, there was definitely some issues seeing things. But if you were like in a dark room and you had your television calibrated decently, then you you could see stuff. Now, I did actually complain during the episode. I was like, I was having, it's kind of dark, kind of hard to see anything. Uh, And I have like a plasma television, so it's usually pretty good on the darks, on the blacks. Uh, But my actual problem was the, I was watching on HBO Now on my Apple TV, and it was was really the, obviously, the compression. I've noticed that before, uh, especially on the launch nights. I don't know. Just my imagination, but I'm pretty sure it's like pretty heavily compressed on launch night, especially. And like, like that stream was uh, technically HD, <laughs> but uh, I could tell it, it had some compression issues in there, especially you know in high contrast areas. So I think a lot of that complaints, a lot of that complaint is technical issues that are unfortunate. Uh, but also, uh, I think a lot of people were misunderstanding why it was dark. That it's not, it was not incompetence, it was intentional. And Game of Thrones has traditionally used mostly ambient light sources, candles, flames, that kind of thing. It is a pretty dark series to begin with. And in this case, we have 
all of our main, you know, good guy characters, as it were, fighting against the giant big bad that's been built up for like eight seasons now as the ultimate force of evil and the personification, literal, literal death. So of course it's going to be dark. Like <laughs> I thought that was a wonderful choice for the the visual direction of the show. Plus, you got to remember their budget constraints and that darkness and then later like the obscuring kind of fog they have in there not only adds to a sense of of dramatic tension because of the chaos that's going on, but it also helps them to, you know, smooth over any kind of deficiencies in the CGI. So it ends up looking really wonderful, I think. Uh, and if there was in broad daylight, it would be a lot harder for them to have pulled off this battle with all the CGI they needed to do in a way that actually looked good. So I'm much more forgiving of the dark the dark uh, palette than a lot of other people are. But it did lead to some interesting memes on Twitter. That was pretty funny. But anyway, moving on from the darkness thing, I, I really like certain aspects of it. I, and there's so much you can talk about this episode, and I don't want to drone on and on about it. But I want to say, as from a structural from a visual let's start with a visual standpoint yes it was dark but the the darkness was punctuated in moments of light that also fed into the narrative structure of the battle itself the battle ebbed and flowed it has it, it has its own character much like a real battle would and so the it starts out the the episode slow quiet you start on on sam and his hands are shaking in fear and then someone puts dragon glass in his hands and tells him to move and then you kind of go around from character to character to see where they are, how they're mentally kind of preparing for this moment where they, they're pretty much sure they're going to die. And you have all the troops assembled, that wide shot, looking out on a black, empty, snowy abyss where they know certain death is, is about to, to overtake them. And then Melisandre shows up, <laughs> you know, like, like from the direction of the of the night king's forces so you're like okay i don't know how she got there but she shows up and this is where they first start using light to punctuate to try to um give you a sense of hope just so they can crush it later <laughs> so they give you they they light the dothraki she uses her magic to light the dothraki swords on fire she had this amazing shot of all the flames going on uh, this panning shot, we see all the flames and the giant crowd of uh, Dothraki go on across the frame, and all the characters look at this in awe. Then the Dothraki rush out into the darkness, because this is a really stupid plan that they have, but it's one that is good for drama, so that's why they're doing it. <laughs> it's, not good, it's not good battle tactics. But hey, they, they have all of their, uh, their Dothraki riders rush. And you gotta remember, this is like the, the most of the Dothraki. There's probably some, I think there's some left back across the sea but this is like all of her her core riders here and all the flames go forward there's a really amazing shot of like in where from the side and you're seeing everybody running and they start firing like these these flaming uh you know like fireballs from the launchers of the castle and they're flying overhead like comets and it's lighting up the battlefield and then they they're they're kind of little sphere of light they have around them from their flaming swords and such just starts to eliminate the wall of death and they slam right into it. And then you just, you kind of have like a cutaway shot and you see their lights going out. You hear their cries getting softer until eventually all their lights are out. Then a few moments later, some stragglers come running back and Jorah comes back all bloodied and beat up on his horse looking defeated. And then the dead are short, or, you know, close behind them. And this is when I was like, yes, this episode is going to be great. 
because that was not only epic, but it was it was like a really well done. Now the plan was for Johnny, Johnny for John and Danny to wait for a signal so they could they they were gonna lure the dead. The whole point of this is to slow the dead down, lure the Night King out. They knew he was gonna get through the castle anyway. They knew we were gonna sacrifice a lot of people, <clears throat> but that it was necessary. So she was their job was to use a dragon to light the trench at one point. So they once the uh, the Othraki are defeated and the dead come through. Eventually, they have to do a retreat. But at this point, uh, because watching the Dothraki get decimated like that, and yes, I am using the word correctly. I I know one of the definitions is is very is ten percent, but uh, it's actually also perfectly proper to use it to mean a large number of people. So don't don't at me, or I'm just gonna block you. Okay. So the uh <laughs> the the after the after her forces are decimated there the um uh uh the dragons are not available to light the trenches. So Melisandre again comes through and last minute lights the trenches with her magic and we get another one of those really cool effects. So you see like we had the the wall of the dead hit the first uh set of defenses and put, and put the lights out. Then we light the, we do them again, and they hit the second wall, and they're stopped for a time. And meanwhile, we have these dragon battle going on because the Night King finally shows up, and you have two dragons against one, and it's very intense and very cool with with a particularly amazing shot of the dragons up in the clouds with the moonlight, like they're above all the clouds. Uh, meanwhile, after the dead come through, like the Night King before he appears pushes this wall of you know like cold air. That obscures everything, so it's kind of like almost like blizzard conditions a little bit. And essentially, it's just chaos. Once they get to the castle walls, they start getting over the walls. It just becomes pandemonium. We have all these major characters getting dogpiled by dead, uh, and we have some really cool um, deaths though in this. So one of the ones that stands out for me, one of the big character deaths, uh, is um, little uh, little bear. I guess her name is what's her name? lady. Um, I remember her name now. The the little girl who uh is the leader of of um man, I can't even the Lord of Jorah's family. Yeah. Uh and uh she is a great out. So I, I heard after the episode that her character was originally supposed to be a one off and then she was so popular and so good in this role that they gave her an awesome death, which is a pretty high honor in the Game of Thrones. So she, an actual a zombie, um, a zombie giant breaks in at one point, and like knocks her away, and she's bloody. But she gets up and runs towards him, so that, and he picks her up and starts squeezing her to death. But she uses the opportunity to stab him in the eye and kill him, and then so and then the the zombie you know falls and she's dead too. And then she's actually well, okay, I'll get to that. <laughs> then you have another nice moment with her later. Uh, so all this stuff's happening. Meanwhile, down in the crypt, you have Tyrion, you have Sansa. You have, like, the kids, and they're all there, and you have Envaris, and you have um, Tyrion really getting drunk and being really frustrated that he's not able to do more. Uh, and I wonder if, if they're going to, like, make him... I hope they don't make him betray him or something, but they're making him really frustrated that he's not being utilized. So, I don't know. I hope he has a moment to shine the next episode. And uh, eventually, the Night King shows up. They ha- After they have their dragon battle, he, gets, uh, he eventually ends up on the ground. And John ends up on the ground. And you think they're going to have a confrontation. And again, the show is going to subvert our expectations because 
John attempts to sneak up and then rush at uh, the Night King. But the Night King sees him coming and then raises the dead of all the people who died on the battlefield so far. And they, they get in his way, so he can't do it. So, and the Night King proceeds into the castle. And when he does this, you have um, like all of our, our old characters like wake up, the ones who would die, including um, uh, you know Little Bear, or whatever her name is. She she wakes up. They don't really show her doing anything, but it was pretty pretty fun. And so yeah, and uh, you have uh, um, Daenerys come down and again screw things up because she wasn't supposed to leave her post originally. That was like a major thing that threw off the whole battle plan. So she comes down and lands in a dragon. And she saved John from certain death. But she stays on the ground too long. Then all the freaking dead swarm her dragon, and she falls off. And the dragon, and he flies away. And so at this point uh, in the show, we have no idea which if the dragons are alive or dead. John's dragon like collapsed, or like, and we saw him fall off of it, and the dragon went somewhere, and we thought we don't know if it's dead or not. Uh, and then Daenerys' dragon is flying away, trying to get the dead off. And then we have uh, Jorah come out and start defending, um, you know, Daenerys. And get stabbed a bunch of times and die. <laughs> but, you know, you knew that was going to happen. But it's actually quite emotional, and, and it's the way that character was meant to go out. It's the way that character would have chosen, to just being a knight in shining armor for the woman that he loves, and he knows that he will never love him, love him back. It's, it's poignant, it's bittersweet, it's exactly what you expect from Game of Thrones. And uh, so she actually lives through that encounter because of that. And meanwhile, John's trying to get to Bran because the Night King is in the, in the castle, but he keeps getting held up, especially because the uh, ice dragon shows up and just starts obliterating the courtyard, and John can't really get away from it. And it's and it's a really intense scene because they uh, they just play this music in the background and they kind of turn down the volume on on the action. It's really cool. Uh, so while all this stuff is happening, though, Arya is is shown to start fighting when the dead get across the walls. And what's really cool about this? So meanwhile, we have John and Daenerys doing their kind of thing as battle generals, doing the dragon attack. We got, like, Grey Worm kind of trying to protect the retreat and do his thing there. We have, um, you know, you, you know, you have, you know where these characters are, and they're doing their expected things. And what's Arya supposed to do in this, right? She's not commanding anybody. She's an assassin, so what's she supposed to do? Well, she had that special weapon made in the last episode, right? And she uses that to great effect. She starts knocking out dead left and right very confidently until they overwhelm her knock her into a wall so her head's hurt and now she's no longer this unstoppable assassin she she loses her weapon her main weapon and she's hurt she's not 100 percent anymore i mean if you, if you ever get hit in the head you know like you know it's much harder to, to fight at that point and she's small and she doesn't have a dragon glass weapon that she got made anymore so she starts running from these and starts trying to hide and then we get one of the coolest scenes in the entire episode, because again, the episode is trying to have intense battle sequences and pylons and all this chaos to get your blood pumping, and then it has these quieter moments and has this quiet moment which actually does double duty, which makes sense in the end. But <clears throat> this quiet moment where she's in the library uh, and she's trying to escape from some of these whites that are in there, look just kind of moment walking around. It's like an it's like playing a, a Resident Evil game. <laughs> she's trying to sneak around. Uh, and she's like doing her ninja skill thing, silently sneaking around until, and she finally gets out of the room. And then they all come rushing in anyway, like from somewhere else. And uh, she's almost dead at a certain point. She's just losing her, her stuff. And then the, the, the hound sees her and, and he ends up 
coming to protect her. He and um, oh man, I cannot remember these people's names. He and the, and the guy with the flaming sword. Uh, he and they they come and they have this long sequence where they're trying to escape from down these dark hallways, uh, of the castle while the dead are right on their tails, and eventually. Uh, the the guy who's I can't see the names are escaping me, but the the guy who was raised from the dead by the Lord of Light so many times because he had some destiny. Well, he ends up dying to protect uh, Arya and the Hound in this, uh, and then they end up he dies and the Hound and Arya and he they they end up in a room with Melisandre and they block the door, and then Melisandre tells Arya or like reminds her about the prophecy where uh, you know a couple several seasons ago when they had first met. She told her that um, she looked into her eyes and said, "You're gonna, you're basically gonna kill people, gonna kill someone with brown eyes, uh, blue eyes, and green eyes." Uh, and so, whatever this this conversation, whatever makes her, makes Arya run out of the room, and that's it. That's all you see for her for a while. So she disappears, and the Hound is just there with Melisandre, and the dead are trying to back break down the door. There you go. So then you have. Uh, at this at this point at this point in the story, John is trapped in the courtyard. Uh, Daenerys is outside with uh, Jorah, who's about to die, about to bite it, and they're because they're constantly being attacked by the dead. Inside uh, at the tree, you have um, Bran and um, and Theon, and Theon and his guys are fighting this just really well, but they're all getting cut down until it's just Theon left and just a bunch of bodies around them, and he's exhausted. And then they have this awesome scene of the Night King and his generals kind of walk through the fire, <laughs> the fog, and they, they come into the courtyard, and uh, you get this really poignant moment where Bran says thank you to Theon, tells him he's a good man, because he knows he's going to die. And he, he chooses to rush the Night King, uh, gets killed, but, you know, in a, in a heroic fashion. He, like, he knew he was going to be killed either way, and he chose to rush towards it instead of try to try to escape it. Uh, when he knew he couldn't, and uh, the character has a nice kind of transition, nice um redemption. Although it does kind of feed into the stereotype of the show that like <laughs> characters only get redeemed right before they die, which really sucks. But uh, you know, it, it does suck that they they did that. But it makes sense. Uh, I think if he, there's really no way that that scene could have played out with him living, is why would the Night King let him live? You know, and he's not gonna just let the Night King go and kill Bran. The Night King starts approaching Bran, who's in a wheelchair, can't do anything. And they just kind of, like, stare at each other for a minute. It's weird. And then the Night King goes to um, to, to grab his sword. And in the moment he's doing that, you kind of... There's a there's a quite a little breeze that comes through from behind. And then all of a sudden, Arya pops out of nowhere with her, with her um, dagger, her Valerian steel dagger. And tries to stab him, but gets... But the, the Night King turns around, grabs her by the throat, stopping her mid-air. And you think all is lost. But then she does that, does this little trick. She drops the blade into her other hand, stabs him in the gut, and that's the end of the Night King. That's the end of his generals. That's the end of all the whites. All the dead just stop moving. And it's quite the amazing moment. <laughs> quite the amazing moment. And uh, meanwhile, while this was happening, by the way, the thing I thought was going to happen, down in the crypt, the whites came through the walls and started killing people. Uh, and you know, Tyrion and Sansa are down there and Varys down there, and they're all alive, they're all hiding. N- not a lot happens there. I thought they might fight him or something, but they don't. They just kind of keep keep them, try to hide from him. But then everybody, all the dead die, or whatever happens, <laughs> the, the dead stop moving. 
the ice dragon collapses right before he, it looks like it's going to burn Jon Snow in the courtyard. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, and that's it. That's it for the Night King. I mean, it's done. That giant threat is gone. And a lot of people are upset by this. I thought it was a brilliant take on it because, uh, and I and some people were complaining about Arya in this, and I think that's ridiculous because I have never seen a like a, a like a takedown like that that was foreshadowed as well, that was prepared as well. That character went through multiple seasons of training and hell, you know, <laughs> over in Bravos. She learned to be a master ninja. They had. Uh, they 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 foreshadowed this multiple ways throughout the the season. They had the entire scene with her in the library in this episode where she's silent. There was a part in this where I, where I was like sitting this watching with my friend Mike, and I'm like, man, she's like super quiet. Like, is is that meant to show that she really is being that quiet? And it was. I think it really was because the sound design in this was very intentional too. Like, there's a scene in the library. She's moving around like literally silent. I'm like, I don't know how she's doing that while holding like a dagger, you know, like on her hip. Like you think she'd be making noise, but she's making no noise except for the drops of blood from her injury that hit the floor. The the whites kind of hear, but they can't quite hear it. And she ends up throwing a book to distract him to get out. But anyway, that scene was there to remind the audience that she's like a ninja. So when she pops out of nowhere at the end there, it makes complete sense. The Valerian steel dagger was given to her earlier. Uh, her size makes sense. Like the reason she has a dagger, not like a sword, is because of her size. You know, and the, you know the reason she wasn't using it as her main weapon uh, is because it wouldn't work that well in regular battle. So she had it on her and hadn't like didn't lose it earlier. You know, like there's all these things that led up to this, and it makes sense. The reason that um the 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 other dude died, the guy with the flaming sword died, protecting her is because that was his role. To make sure she made it to that final moment, the why, why was Melisandre there to make sure they they made it to that moment? You know, like like everything fit together like puzzle pieces in this episode. And the one major criticism I could have with it is that I wish that it was drawn out a little bit more. Like we had an entire season of this, we had more than one battle. Uh, you know, maybe we you, we were pushed back, and they had to you know fight them. But it makes sense from a Game of Thrones perspective, though, because Game of Thrones is not about the supernatural threat, even though that's the thing that I was always most interested in, and I would get annoyed sometimes by all the politics. But that's what it's about. It's really about ruling and what's involved in that and the backstabbing and the politics and, and all that stuff and what type of people end up vying for that kind of uh, power and responsibility. And it's also a show that likes to subvert expectations. It's a classical fantasy universe with dragons and magic and zombie ice things. and And it's like, but the good guys you think are the main characters all the time, they sometimes get their heads chopped off and the bad guys seemingly win. Or in this case, the big bad of the entire series gets taken out uh, in a moment by a uh, a ninja girl, <laughs> you know? And it's, and it's perfect. It works for Game of Thrones. It really, really does. Uh, it, and I thought that was about the best way they were ever going to be able to resolve the Night King arc. You know, because now they need to focus on the real issue, which is going to be who's on the throne at the end and, and how you're going to deal with Cersei. So I like the episode. I, I thought it, its use of dark and light and the way that it had this ebb and flow where you went from a messy, chaotic scene to a quieter scene. I think Arya's character is literally the opposite of, of, of um, like a Mary Sue character. 
that some people said that. Like, you can argue that about Rey in Star Wars, that uh, especially in the first movie, where she just seemingly has all these abilities for no good reason. But in uh, I'm, but in this, there, there you can't argue that at all. Like, like Arya is just a badass because she went through tons of training and and trials and and was nearly killed so many times. And yeah, so this show did so much work over years to prepare this to to prepare for this uh, moment. So I don't I don't know where where people are coming from who don't like it. I mean, I just don't see that perspective. I thought it was great. Uh, as I said, I mean, if you wanted more to it than just the one episode, yeah, I mean, I could see why you would, uh, you might be a little disappointed, but, you know, take into account what the themes of Game of Thrones are and, uh, you know, where their budget, you know, goes and everything. I think it was great. We got to see, we got to see all, all it, it was, in a lot of ways, I think it was actually more satisfying to me than, than Endgame. Their final battle, which I'm not going to talk about here, but uh, you know, I just I thought this was was really well constructed, especially for TV. So I liked it a lot. Uh, let's go through my dead list real quick while we, before I end this. Okay, so I thought uh, my alive dead list. I don't have everybody on here uh, who actually lived or died, but I, from last last time when I talked about this, I had Arya as being dead, but nope, she's alive and she was instrumental in ending the whole thing. I thought she was going to be instrumental in in killing Cersei. So I was right that her ninja skills were going to be essential to something, but wrong in what that something was going to be. Jon's alive. I always expected that. Danny's alive. I expected that, too. And Bran. I also expected that. I expected Theon to be dead, and he was. Sansa's still alive. Jorah, I expected to, to die, and he did. Sam, I expected to live. And Gilly. And Tyrion. And Varys. I expected that. I thought Jamie was going to die and Brienne was going to be alive, but I think they both lived. It's a little unclear there at the end, but I'm pretty sure they both lived. Uh, Gendry, I thought was going to alive. Tormund, I was pretty sure was going to die. I'm not sure what happened to him because he was on the front lines. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I know that like the other uh, guys from the wall died, but I don't, I don't know about him. Ed, I think his name was the first guy who died. Grey Worm, I thought was going to be dead, but I'm pretty sure he's alive. The Hound, I thought was going to be alive. And I was pretty sure they were going to lose one dragon, and it's actually unclear at the end of the episode, but in the preview, they have both dragons, so I guess they both lived. Although they don't make it completely clear in the episode that that's what happened. Um, so, there you go. So that was my my take on the latest episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, this show is good. It is. That was a great episode. I think it's going to win a ton of awards for cinematography and for, like, I don't know, whatever awards you can give for for hurting that many cats, you know, CGI and otherwise, because that was a, that was a am, pretty amazing bunch of choreography on a very large set, mixed in with a lot of CGI that blended quite well, I think, because of the darkness and everything. And uh, it was exciting. I thought it was exciting. I've seen some people who who thought it was boring or who who thought it was hollow, and I don't understand that perspective. I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion about this stuff. It just might not have spoken to them. But I, I think I liked it more than I liked Endgame because while, uh, and I don't want to go into details again about it, but the Endgame final battle has tons of fan service that I found irritating and, like, unearned because it's just kind of there just to be there and it doesn't really make sense necessarily all the time. This one, I think everything that happened in this episode from a fan service perspective, every, like, moment made complete sense and they sub- they tried to subvert expectations like they always do, but they did it in 
probably the most interesting way they could, given the characters they had left. You know, so I, I think they did arguably a better job in some ways than Endgame did with kind of a similar, like, big battle where they had to have a bunch of fan service kind of thing. And they're not really very equivalent, I understand, but but having seen them both uh, very close together, you can't help but kind of compare them in your mind. And one's a big movie, one's a TV show, but they're both big deals. They're both going to win all the awards. So, But let me know what you think. If you hated hated this episode or loved this episode, feel free to tell me. Uh, or don't. I don't care. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, you can you can contact me. You can find all the contact information at dailycronpodcast.com. There's like links to social media, doodads there, and you can see the archive of previous episodes. I'll link to the podcast I did about Endgame and my previous podcast here about my predictions for the Battle of Winterfell that I got sort of right and a lot wrong, as I expected. So, cool. I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode and are excited for next week's episode of Game of Thrones, because I know I am. I'm pretty sure next week's episode is going to be a pretty quiet one. And then episode five is where we're going to have a big battle. And then episode six is going to be like cleanup and stuff. So that's my predictions right, right now. We'll find out. I've been pretty much wrong the, the whole time. So that's, I'm sure I'm going to miss something. Anyway, that's it for now. Talk to you next time.